here in Spain, they never have, and they're not doing it now. So they're not abiding by the rules that they signed up to. Hello, everybody. Today, we are joined by Kevin and Howard from Mortgage Direct. This is something that everybody wants to know about. Mortgages in Spain, how do you, how do you get one? What do you need to do? Do they exist? And if they do exist, what sort of uh, products are out there? And these two gents have helped our clients immeasurably um, over the last few years. So they are the people to speak to. So thank you, gents, for, for taking time out today. I know you're very busy. What I want to do is to just offer our viewers and our listeners uh, a kind of little overview of what's happening in the Spanish mortgage market, because I'm sure we've got many people who are sitting there in the UK or in France or in the States, and everything is different, isn't it, wherever you go in the world. So what is it in particular in Spain in terms of products and service that people should be aware of? I always sort of start these kind of questions at the moment, just referring back to the mortgage law, uh, which was introduced back in 2019. Since the law was introduced, regulation of the market in Spain for the first time. There have been a lot more banks entering the market wanting to be mortgage lenders. There were periods over the years where we've just had two lenders that we could go to. The market has opened up tremendously uh, since the introduction of, the, of that, that, that new regulations. Um, and you know, we as a business, we always prepared for that. We wanted everyone to be qualified. We tried to follow the UK system. So pretty much we're a team of 16 uh, advisors and all qualified or soon to be qualified. And, and we follow the rules. We work with all the different banks. We've got 16 years of experience. The market is changing a lot due to the fact that, that there's more, more brokers around. The market is hot at the moment in Spain. Lots of people are buying. So that's really where, where we are at the moment. Okay. And in terms of, of loan to value, because we're talking mainly about non-residents who are buying, aren't we? We're not really talking about the domestic Spanish market, which is another another thing. But most of our clients, if not all of our clients, are overseas residents who want to buy either a holiday home or maybe a home that they're going to move into in the long run. What sort of products can they get their hands on? I mean, what, what about loan to value and things like that? Because obviously in their home country, they can I, I would imagine they can probably get near 90 to 100 percent. But I guess it's different if they're buying in, in Spain. Definitely. I mean, our, our clients are, I'd describe them as non-residents, people that won't become residents or mm -hmm. expats, yeah. people that are actually living in Spain already and they want to buy a house or they're, they're soon to be transferring over here with their jobs or finding a job and they want to buy a, a main residence. So for those clients, they can get similar kind of conditions that you would, you're talking about, up to 90%, for example, in some cases. Uh, but out, out, the vast majority of our clients are non-residents. And for those clients, 70% is the maximum. Mm -hmm. Another change that came in with the mortgage law related to the currency of earnings or assets or a combination of the both. And where that currency is not the euro, they have now have a legal right after they sign their mortgage, which obviously would be a euro mortgage with us being in Spain. After they sign the mortgage, if that home currency, as we call it, uh, drops by more than 20% against the euro, they can convert the mortgage into that currency. The banks looked at this and said, well, this is just a, a risk we've never had before. Mm. And we see it as quite a high level of risk. We don't want to be offering mortgages in Thai baht or China, you know, Chinese mm. currency, China, uh, Japanese yen. It, it, wouldn't, it was just a, a huge amount of risk they didn't have before. So for that reason, 70% is normally the maximum. But a lot of the banks have now reduced it to 60% simply because of those rules. Okay. We also have some clients that want to buy in the name of a company. 
that would then be a maximum 50%. Usually you can stretch up to 60, but there are still lenders who we work with that can offer, offer mortgages up to 70% of the purchase price or the valuation of the property if it's lower. Okay, so it's whichever is the lower figure, yeah? Yeah, it's the lower figure. Okay. Bearing in mind that that currency law that, that came in, where uh, does that mean that the banks are less accepting of certain countries? So if you have a client from the States or from China, like you mentioned, does that mean the banks will go, oh, no, thanks, or they'll give a, a, a lesser amount? Yeah, I think it's where the, um, the brokers are starting to, where the market hasn't traditionally been very broker focused, if you like. The banks mm. always had a reluctance of dealing with brokers. And I think that stemmed from the crisis in 2008. But I think now our, our role in the whole process is, is exactly that, Sean. We're, we're trying to stay on top of any given time. The, um, the, the banks that are lending to clients in specific currencies, every day we're finding examples of clients that have in, been introduced or they've gone to banks directly and they thought, oh my goodness, I don't qualify for a mortgage because they might be earning in a currency that not all banks might, might lend to, but some banks would. And they come to us and obviously we will tell them straight away within five minutes whether they will qualify. Number one, will they qualify due, due to the currency? And number two, will they qualify due to the affordability side of things as well? Right. Um, but yeah, it's really important. It's something that we are on a daily basis trying to keep, up, keep tabs with the banks, staying close with them to understand which currencies they're currently comfortable because it can change and, and which ones they aren't. And also looking at alternatives. Can that client, if they if they don't, if they're not eligible for a, for a for a, for a mortgage due to the currency, can they maybe do it through a Spanish company? Is there there are potential options around it, and we will obviously be there to support them and and, and guide them through that process as well. Okay, fantastic. In terms of the actual product, so we've mentioned 60, 70% maximum loan to value or purchase price, whichever is the lower figure, that's fine. In terms of the types of products that people can get, I, I've bought properties in the UK on interest only, buy to let mortgages, all sorts of things. I'm guessing that doesn't apply in Spain, yeah? No. The market here, I always say to clients, it's relatively unsophisticated uh, and, and in, a, in a big way because like you say, if you're from the UK and many of, our, many of our clients are from other countries where interest only exists, buy to let products, they simply do not exist in Spain. Uh, there's, there's, there's no interest only. Maybe you could get a year or two if you're doing a construction project, building your own home. The bank might say, okay, for, while you're building the property, we'll give, give you interest only. But after that, it has to be capital repayment. Buy to let mortgages, you know, in, in, in the UK, they work on the basis that if you could provide a lender with a rental contract or just the lender themselves would have access to, that, access to that information, how much is that property going to rent out for? How much is the mortgage going to be? And of course, if you've got an interest-only mortgage, the affordability for the lender is, is fine. And that's why they're probably more, uh, it's easier to borrow as a, as a landlord in the UK than, than actually somebody buying a home for themselves. Here in Spain, none of that exists. Uh, it's just a straight mortgage. And the interest rate, again, that's a crucial difference. Interest rates, when you go and sign your mortgage deed from that day onwards, your interest rate is your interest rate. You don't have to go to the market again in two years or three years or five years, as you would do in the UK, and renegotiate better terms. Yeah. Okay. What's say, I mean, we have heard from some banks that have spoken about interest only. They're looking for ways. I think the, the mortgage law is still quite fresh in their minds. We're seeing in the higher end of the market, obviously more products and more banks, but 
we we've had some messages from banks saying they are looking at other solutions in the future of kind of interest only and things so what's this space okay interesting fixed or variable that is the question we've had clients who will only touch a fixed rate mortgage i guess because it looks like interest rates are are climbing who knows where to i've got a trusty old variable rate because i i'm kind of happy to 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 go with the flow what sort of rates can people get at the moment how how do they how do they compare and what are you advising most of the main lenders have already increased the interest rates mm-hmm. in july uh, the european central bank are saying there's a high likelihood that for the first time in i think it's at least minimum 10 years might be might be a lot longer they haven't increased the reference rate there's a, there's talk of inflationary pressures all around the world at the moment and you know no doubt europe will eventually increase the interest rates through the central bank we've already seen the banks here increasing interest rates anyway and personally because you know we nobody has a crystal ball we don't know what's going to happen mm. with the interest rate but you read the financial press uh, or watch the, the regular news it's in the news that they're talking about it and how it's going to affect households, uh, you know, affordability and so on and so forth. The interest rates we're seeing from, from my point of view and the clients I'm advising, when you look at the fixed rate that's being offered, you expect that the, you know, the, the variable will be a lot more attractive uh, because the bank's factoring in that they believe it would increase. In actual fact, you look at it and it's almost like the margin is actually not that much lower than the fixed rate. So yeah. you think it's a no brainer, surely. Of course, yeah. you might be paying a little bit more to begin with, but you are protected for the longer term. And, and with the fact that what, what I discussed earlier, so when you, buy, when you have a mortgage in, in, in Spain, it's your mortgage for the whole term. You don't go back and renegotiate. So you want to make sure at that point of purchase and taking out your mortgage that you have the very best possible rate for the long term. Why would banks be so interested in, in, in giving good fixed term rates, bearing in mind what we think is likely to happen in the market, and bearing in mind the disparity between fixed and variable rates in the UK, for instance, why would the banks push the, you know, or make the fixed rates so so uh, appealing? Well, I would say that's the preference at the banks at the moment is the variable rates. We're seeing a lot now that the, the message is coming through, certainly from higher up in the banks, is to encourage as much as we can variable rates. Okay. However, us as brokers are constantly pushing the banks to give good fixed rates because that's yeah. what clients are demanding on on us on us to secure you know some have some security of the mortgage payments because we don't we're entering into times where we don't know you know how high these rates could go so yeah. the demand is all there every day it's what i was going to say is that we find that banks react at different let, uh, at different times as well but with, with their interest rates i generally find that spanish banks are taking time at the moment to adjusting their their fixed rates at the moment i think they're a month or so behind where they where they could be if you if you look at kind of the markets and where interbank lending is and interest rate swaps they're pretty much very similar to to the best fixed rates that spanish banks are lending so i i can see them increasing another kind of 50 basis points in the next couple of months and um, but we we see all the banks reacting at different times so it means that as brokers can kind of go in there and say, right, at the moment, this bank is still lending at this. And if you do this, then you can fix that rate for the next 30 or 45 days in some cases. And that, and that but that might change the week later because yeah. um, that bank might have changed its conditions and we, we, we work with a different one. 
I know that uh, one of our clients whom you referred to, he was actually super anxious to complete on his purchase as quickly as possible so that he fell within the the timeline for that fixed rate offer he was given because he was aware that the banks were going to renew that that product. So he he brought forward his completion to the point that he didn't even move in. He just he let the, he let the seller actually uh, live there for the for an extra month just so he could get that mortgage rate you know sorted. And I guess you're seeing more and more of that people wanting to Absolutely. get deals get deals done while the rates are so low. Yeah, very much so. Uh, many many clients at the moment for that precise reason they don't want to get caught out by the increase in the interest rates. So they're they're changing their agreements with the sellers. They're wanting to push things through. Yeah. It's happening a lot. Rather than extend the time that they're normally trying to do where they complete, they're actually trying to bring completion dates in as quickly as, as, yeah. as far as they can, obviously bearing in mind all the due diligence and things, the process that needs to happen. But I would say 99% of the clients at the moment are all of the same objectives of closing the rates. How do we do it? And well, obviously we're there just to manage it as best we can within the within the kind of the processes of, of each bank um, but yeah that's certainly the, the main objective at the minute just to give just to give our listeners and our viewers an idea of of what sort of rates do you have any headline rates that you can you can quote in terms of the types of product that you're getting on a fixed and a variable rate at the moment say for a 60 percent loan to loan to value it does vary i always say to clients listen if you're coming from the uk for example if, if i walk into a branch of nationwide in london and you walk into a branch of nationwide in manchester it's the same products mm. the same interest rates they follow the european mortgage directive the rules that were introduced when that when that when that came in that legislation um so they have to offer the same products here in spain they never have and they're not doing it now so they're not abiding by the rules that they signed up to uh, and what that means is you can have branches offering different rates uh, so not just banks Bank, banks you expect to offer different terms but within those banks different branches are offering different terms so there is a lot of there's, there's capability on the part of the, the the director of each branch to decide what the condition should be and so when you have clients that are, are high earners with low debt to income levels uh, and you compare those to much smaller mortgage sizes and clients that are on the borderline in terms of the affordability, you will get very different interest rates. Uh, sometimes we have clients coming to us and saying, oh, I've been to a branch of such and such a bank and they've quoted me 3% fixed. And we'll go, well, wow, that's, that's really high. We could potentially offer you 1.8 or 2% fixed for the same bank. In terms of your question, what are the rates at the moment? For premium customers, we can probably offer fixed rates between 15 to 2%. Um, if we'd been answering the same question maybe three or four months ago, we'd be saying somewhere between maybe one and one and a half percent. So it, it's moved quite a bit. It's still uh, cheap finance though, isn't it? It's still good. Uh, incredibly cheap. We have customers from the US, different countries around the world, and they say, wow, for us, this is really cheap borrowing. And why wouldn't we want to maximize the leverage for this mortgage? Um, and obviously we try and facilitate that. In terms of the variable rates, you know, the margins, again, they've, they've gone up considerably in the last few months. But I would say, you know, Eurobor, uh, maybe plus 1.25 to 1.75%. This is for the non-resident, you know, expat market. Yeah. So the only thing I would add there is that um, in Spain, be careful with the additional products. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a way of the banks are using of disguising the true cost of the lending. Obviously, we would kind of help the clients to... Decide well, to actually get to the nitty gritty of each transaction, what offers which, because some banks might say you need to have alarm systems, life policies, debit credit cards, every other thing that they can they can imagine. And discard, but obviously come up with a headline interest rate. Really important to actually 
look into the detail of each offer, um, including uh, any arrangement fees and exit fees to really work out what the, when you're trying to compare two offers and what the true cost of the financing is. Guessing like it's always been the perfect mortgage candidate is somebody who's been in regular employment for a long time. They can produce salary slips incrementally over the years. They've got a good bank credit history. What about those of us who are self-employed, who kind of roll with the punches and, you know, one year is different to the next. Are you able to help them? Yes, definitely. And I would say it's improved uh, in recent times. Mm -hmm. Now we've got several banks that will look at net profits, not in the same way that uh, a lender might do in the UK, for example. In the UK, they would look at a self-employed person's personal fiscal declarations, and then they'd ask them for the last three years, uh, the annual reports uh, for the business. And then they'd focus on, in on the net profits and they treat those net profits as if they were net income of the individual, which clearly they aren't. But they, they see that those net profits could potentially have been uh, drawn, taking as drawings by that person. So the banks are looking that if they're going to be generous to a self-employed client here in Spain, they want to know that the person has a controlling stake in the company. If somebody owns 50%, they're not going to be as generous as, they own, as if they own 51% because they you know, simply by the fact that they don't own the majority of the shares of the company, they're not going to be able to decide where those net profits go, and especially into their own you know, bank account in the way, in the form of yeah. dividends and stuff. But they are a little bit more flexible with self-employed clients here now. Clearly, it's the same principle. You know, they, they look at the affordability. They, they do focus very much on the personal tax declarations. They'll work out what the net income is. Sometimes they apply a percentage. So, We've got one bank that's really quite harsh with them say, right, okay, because they're self-employed, we treat all their income as variable. And therefore, we're only going to take 50, in the worst case, or up to 75% of that, that net income. Right. Whereas if it, if it was a, a payslip and it was yeah. X amount net per month, then they would take use their normal, what we call the debt-to-income ratio. So the amount of their net income that can be used to, to service debts on a monthly basis. And it varies between 30 and 40% in Spain. Okay. So for, a, for an employed person... They'd say, right, okay, that's their net monthly income, 30 to 40% of that. And it depends on the bank. One bank might be, it's always 35%. One bank might say, well, it's 35% for an employed person, but 30% for a, a self-employed person. So there's all these variables that we're, we're very familiar with you know, doing the job on a day-to-day basis. Sure. But, and, yeah. and obviously they'll take into account other, other debts as well. So they'll want to know if you've got any outstanding mortgages back home or any credit card loans and things like that before they calculate that that debt to income ratio yeah absolutely so they, they focus on what we all know to be debts mortgages loans credit cards they they it varies from bank to bank but they apply maybe they might say okay well if you're not paying off your credit card in full every month and there's a running balance going over carried over from month to month we'll take five percent of what that balance is and that'll be your monthly kind of amount they don't all do that uh, but i've seen that in the past it really depends. Some banks take the view that, okay, in the great scheme of things, these credit card balances that are being carried forward, they're, they're not significant enough for us to even take into account. Some of the banks sometimes look at private school fees, car alimony. Leases. Car leases is a big one. Car leases, yeah, again. Some clients yeah. don't see that as a debt, but it is for the bank. Yeah. Mm. So whatever their monthly debt commitments are, let's say you know the, the bank uses 35% of their net monthly income. If it's a self, sorry, an, an employed person, earning, I don't know, £5,000 per month. So they take 1750 and then they deduct off the monthly debts. So if they've got no other debts apart from a 750 uh, mortgage, 
then they've, they've got left 1,000. So yeah. if they've worked out the figures in pounds, they'll then convert that 1,000 into euros. Yeah. They might not convert using that day's exchange rate. They might factor in a little bit of uh, you know, extra so that they, mm -hmm. they, they get a bit of protection against interest rate, but exchange rate changes. And if that amount is enough to cover what the monthly mortgage amount would be, ordinarily they're gonna approve that mortgage. That's a very you know, basic description of how they do it. Okay, so if somebody wants to apply for a mortgage, so they've seen a property they like, and uh, how long do they need really between speaking to you guys and getting things approved? The good thing is obviously when, they, when they're speaking to us is that we will do a pre-assessment first thing. Mm -hmm. Will they qualify for a mortgage or not? So yeah. within yeah. kind of 24, 48 hours of having you know, initial contact with the client, we'd ask them to do an assessment either by, the, by telephone or online. Um, and we'll be able to tell them very quickly whether they will qualify or not. If we take them forward into the process, um, i.e. we've provided the clients with conditions and they're happy to, to go ahead, then the mortgage application process can take anything between, it does vary considerably between banks. They all have different levels of you know, credit committees and things like that. So some banks can be literally three or four days. Other banks can be two weeks, I would say, or three weeks maximum, depending on how large the mortgage uh, size is and whether it needs to go to other levels. I think still this, the whole process can be signed in, say, six to eight weeks, something that is still possible. Okay. It ha the, the, I'm a bit hesitant because the mortgage law has something to contribute here as well. They have to, the offer letter, they, the, the clients can't sign the actual purchase of the house um, within 10 days of receiving the offer, signing the offer letter from the bank. Yeah. It's a really important thing to factor in nowadays. So they sign the offer letter from the bank, 10 days have to, have to pass and then they go to the notary to sign on the property and within those days um, the note they have to have an appointment with the notary as well it, is is that a cooling off period effectively it's so, a cooling yeah. off period. yeah okay okay um, um what we also try to do to um to speed the process up a little bit is try to do the valuation in tandem with the mortgage application it right. generally saves two to three weeks of the whole process it's invaluable time. It is an investment that a client might have to do to pay to a valuation yeah. without actually having a, a mortgage offer on the table yet. But we always try to encourage that because you're saving two or three weeks out of the process and a lot of headaches just by getting that valuation in advance. And obviously, the client wants to know as well if there's any issues on that valuation that might affect their mortgage offer in the long run anyway. So. Bearing that in mind then, what you've just said, is there is there mileage in clients potential buyers actually coming to you before they actually look at properties and, and saying, look, this is what we'd like to achieve. But before we go to Spain and go house hunting, can you just let us know what we can afford? I'm, I'm guessing there's mileage in them doing that, yeah? Absolutely. I say to clients always, contact us as soon as you think you're thinking about buying a property in Spain. Mm. And then after that point, as soon as you've identified the property, we need to get cracking. You yeah. can in some, some ways start before they identify a property. Some clients are comfortable with that. We do charge fees. We try and be reasonable. But if we're going to do a formal application and get effectively something which has value, we do charge our fees. We don't always charge the approval fee. We might charge half of it. We might agree because we're, we're relatively confident that the client is definitely going to buy. We might not charge the approval fee, but we'll charge the upfront fee. So it always pays to do as much as possible on the mortgage you know, at, at any point that you can. 
So obviously, call us before you get on the plane. We'll run through your profile because if you're not going to qualify, I'm sure you'd rather know before you start wasting Absolutely. your own time. And obviously, the estate agent's time as well. If you are going to qualify, then come over, look at the property. We'll, we'll have told you in advance that we think that you know, you're going to qualify. If, a, if it's borderline, we're really not sure, and the client says, right, okay, well, I, I want to try and get an approval. What we sometimes do in those circumstances is to say, right, if you can identify with the agent you're going to be viewing properties, do they have a property in the kind of price range where they could maybe send us a link to the property? In some cases, they might have some other documentation that can be useful that we can then present to a bank and say, you know, the client is interested in this property. We don't commit to the bank that they are definitely buying it, but we say they're interested in this. They don't want to commit until they have a mortgage approval. Some of the banks will happily then provide a formal approval. Okay. Others will still say, okay, well, until we've got a signed ARAS contract, which is a, a purchase contract in Spain, um, we're not going to do a formal approval, but we will take it kind of to the next best thing, uh, which is we'll do the internal assessment, we'll work out the affordability, and we'll be able to tell you, to us, at this stage of the approval process, it looks good. Yeah. Um, okay. It's no, not a guarantee, but it's a good start. The decline rates that we have are very, very low. Um, without having the exact figure, it's a very small percentage of the, the, the whole amount of applications that we present to the bank. So having that conversation with us at the beginning does give a degree of certainty as to whether you're qualified for a mortgage or not. Yeah. Um, a lot yeah. of us have got a lot of experience working in banks and things like that. We know the kind of profiles and transactions that are most likely to be approved by the banks without submitting the application. Yeah. Um, so that does give a lot of kind of assurance to, to potential buyers um, of their eligibility for mortgages. I'm guessing because you know which banks lend to which type of client in terms of profile, you can just short circuit that rather than clients going down the high street in Spain and popping into 10 different banks. Uh, it's just going to be a minefield for them, I'm guessing. Exactly. You've got a lot of legwork to do before, you know, you've got to do the first conversation. It happens all the time. Obviously, clients are out, they're here in Spain. They've seen a property they like. They haven't thought about the mortgage. They want a mortgage. They tell the real estate company, the real estate company contacts us. And then we say, oh, we're very sorry. They don't qualify or brilliant client. I'm sure we'll have a, a range of different options for them. They can feel confident to pay their reservation deposit. When, when the clients are parting with money, we have to be very careful. You know, we're, we're effectively financial advisors specialized in mortgages. We don't want them to be paying huge amounts of money uh, if we're not certain about the mortgage. But where we are pretty confident, we can give them that confidence and they, they can then speak to the real estate company, organize yeah. it so that they, we, we give, enough, give ourselves enough time to get the formal approval, they can then pay their, their ARAS deposit. Some clients just want to go ahead and say, I'm, I'm confident, I'm going to get a mortgage. After the conversation with you, I'm going to pay them 10%. Yeah. Uh, and there's all, all different scenarios we, we, yeah. we deal with. You know, we, we, we don't over-promise and under-deliver. We're quite, quite clear with clients. If, we, if we're really not sure and it's borderline, we'll suggest to them, you know, we're very happy to work on your behalf. Let's give it a go. Let's see if you're going to qualify. We don't say we're not sure and we're not interested. And I, and I guess for some, particularly for self-employed people, it, it, you might be able to say, well, look, for the next six months, you need to be able to show this amount of, of profit and blah, 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 so that they, they kind of go away and know what they need to come back with in terms of being able to, to get what they want, yeah. 
Yeah, there's small changes that clients can make that would that make big yeah. differences to applications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bank, you know, absolutely. Maybe absolutely. pay themselves a salary and give that kind of degree of certainty of show the yeah. bank the income coming in. Yeah. So it's something that we do quite a lot on an ongoing basis for clients. So if we have a client who's decided, yes, great, this is all fantastic, what do they need to do with you? What do they need to give you in terms of documentation and how much is it going to cost them? Okay. Let's assume we don't know anything about a client. The first thing we want to do is, as soon as it's actually possible, time-wise, know your client. We want to do the affordability calculations. Mm -hmm. So I prefer personally, I don't know how it's similar. Um, so we will have a, a call with the client. Um, we'll run through all the questions we have. Obviously, we've got it down to a T now with so many years of uh, doing it. So we ask them all the necessary questions. The things that we're going to be focusing on, obviously, their personal details are important. And then income, we want to try and work out what their net monthly income is. The monthly debts do they have the cash uh you know we explain to clients you know this is the maximum mortgage you can possibly get these are the costs for for where you're buying depending on the region because the taxes vary from region to region the, the way that they're buying the property if they're buying a new build the taxes are different to if they're buying a second-hand property so we have that initial conversation with them and after that if we're confident we can do the mortgage we prepare a quote we send that electronically via email um, and then they need to decide if they want to go ahead and have us oversee their formal mortgage applications, then we ask them to sign our terms and conditions document and pay an upfront fee. After that, we will disclose to them what documents we need to have, what banks we're intending to approach. That's the point at which we name the banks, not until after they've signed the TNCs and paid that fee. And we then collect the documents. If, they're, if it's a case where we're not sure, and we don't feel comfortable ourselves charging the upfront fee because that fee has a, a money back guarantee, we might ask them to provide some documents before that so that we can then go off, go to the preferred banks or the banks. Some cases we have, clients are not going to qualify and it's a question of finding a bank that would lend to them as opposed to finding which bank has the best terms. Yeah. So we're very upfront and honest about that and we say, look, this is going to be quite difficult. I'm going to have to try a few banks. Can you send me your last three tax returns? last three sets of annual reports for your accounts, just confirm to me by email again what your debts are, um, and then we'll go off and find out. And if we have a bank that says, you know, we think we can do this, that's when we would start the formal process. Okay. And in terms of, of documentation for like typically employed people, would that be bank statements, wage slips, P60s for people in the UK, you know, those sorts of things? Yes. Okay. Okay. So the usual, the usual yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of your fees, what, what, what are they? Are, do they vary or is it a, a fixed fee? And, and what, you know, you mentioned that you, you pay that once, the, once you're happy for the application to go in. So we charge uh, the upfront fee that Kevin mentioned is 695 euros, which is payable on application. Yep. And then we have an approval fee, which is payable on receipt of once the application has been to the credit committee of the bank and is officially approved by the committee, we have an arrangement fee of 0.6% of the mortgage amount just in, in terms of those in terms of those fees are they pretty industry standard or are you more expensive or cheaper would you say than other other people we've done we do a lot of research on our competitors all the time mm. not just on fees but you know our, what banks are they talking to we hear it we hear we look for feedback from banks themselves obviously they can't disclose everything but we, we are we want to know who are our main competitors what are they doing can we improve etc cetera, etc cetera. fees is definitely one of the things um, we also have clients that come to us having already been to competitors. And of course, we ask them, and they, they naturally tell us uh, what fees there are, and obviously we want to be competitive. 
If we feel we can reduce our fees and win a client, we'll do it. We don't generally like to reduce our fees because we we, we structure our fees and we've, we've chosen the amounts uh, based upon what we feel is, is good value. So obviously some clients are very focused on fees. We'll work out what we can save them by, by lower interest rates. The client I mentioned yesterday, he said, your fees are this. Can you tell me why I, why I should pay that? And I said, well, here's what you're going to save. Mm. Um, and potentially being able to borrow more over a longer term, which is exactly what he wanted. So he's happy to pay those fees, but he wanted me to explain, to justify them effectively. Of course, of course. I, I, I think, you know, from personal experience, um, having six months ago, got a, got a mortgage here in Spain and having been to my bank of 20 odd years and saying, can I have a mortgage please? And them saying no, or, oh, it's going to be difficult. I think they said, and uh, needing to move pretty quickly. I, I, I also used a broker and I paid their fees and it was money well spent. I, I really am convinced of that. And I have no problem wherever I buy in the world. I have no problem using the people who are Local, the people who are experts. I'm not a mortgage advisor. I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm, I've always been not happy. That's not the word, but I've always been quite relieved and also uh, satisfied to to find people who know their stuff and to pay them what they're what they're worth. Um, so yeah, good, good for you. Okay, so it's a very straightforward um, situation. We've explained the advantages of using a broker. We've explained what you guys can do in terms of being able to go to the pretty much the whole of market and find the right product for the right the right uh, the right buyer and also the the different sort of nuances in terms of the different products and the different rates and various things like that so we've given up an overview of the the mortgage market which as we know can change and i think this is something we should try and do maybe every quarter certainly every half a year just to give people an update on on where things stand um, but if they have any questions, if you've been watching this video and you're in the process of, of looking into this sort of thing, looking into buying a property in Spain, these guys cover the whole of uh, the whole of Spain. That's right, isn't it? The whole of Spain. Do you do the islands as well? The whole of Spain, uh, all of the islands and the yeah. whole of Portugal as well. Great. We'll talk about that today, but... Okay, so the contact details for Kevin and Howard are going to appear on screen. Uh, they did at the start and they will now. So if you want to make contact um, with these guys, I'm sure they or any members of their team will be able to help you with your mortgage requirements in Spain or Portugal.